In your name we pray and we all said together. Amen. Amen. So the text today talks about the power of prayer. And I know we all have different experiences with prayer, different understandings. That's okay. It's, our understandings of prayer are probably as varied as each individual person in this room because we all have different experiences with it. It holds various places of importance in our lives. But maybe you can think of a time when you've really experienced the power of prayer. Those three words have any number of meanings for us, and that's okay. But however you understand the power of prayer, maybe we can think of a couple times that we've experienced that power of prayer. I know I can think of a few. But however we think of it, the power of prayer, however we think of it, whatever experiences we can think of or not think of, we all are familiar with prayer. We might have our own prayer practices, but if you come here to worship, either here in person, online, or to any church, if you come to worship regularly, you pray at least once a week because that's what you do in church. So we're all starting from at least that one baseline there. And James, I think, gives us a really helpful way to think about this thing called prayer. At least he helped me think about it in a new way this week. In prayer, as I understand it, at least from the text, in prayer, the human, the divine, and the community are all brought together to create this powerful synergy. The human, the divine, and the community are all brought together in prayer to create this powerful synergy. Now, synergy, that's what happens when uh, multiple people or organizations or or, or entities or agents or multiple things are brought together and they create something greater and more powerful than the sum of all the individual parts. And that's what happens here when the human, the divine, and the community are all brought together in prayer. There's some kind of power there. And James has something to say to each part of that equation there, right? So it's easy to see the, the kind of the obvious instructions for what we think of it as individuals praying, right? If you, if you are suffering, if you're happy, if you're sick, etc., pray. Pray about it. Whatever you're experiencing, pray. We can take that. We've heard, I don't know how many preachers say that. But God's part in prayer. We have the individual and then we have God's part in prayer. As James talks about it, it's honestly, it's a little fuzzy as we think of God's part in prayer. Maybe it's a little fuzzy for us because we normally think of God as answering prayer. And that word answering often, I'm not saying always, but often that's the only framework we have for thinking about God's part in prayer. And James seems like he's fitting into that into that lane. He talks about praying for the sick and God raising them up. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective, as he says, because apparently God only answers the prayer of the righteous. Now, That's a problematic piece that we're going to unpack. Uh, But what James is saying, if we boil it down, somehow God is an active agent in prayer. God has an active role in this work we call prayer. But what I would argue is the most significant here is the part that the community plays as the participant here. Because when someone is sick, we read in the passage, when someone's sick, They shouldn't just pray for themselves. Yeah, pray for yourself, do that. But also, they should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, 
Almost exactly that is one of the privileges that Pastor Becky and I have as pastors here with you at King Avenue and the past appointments that we've served. Praying with church members in the hospital before surgery and assisted living facilities and all of these very vulnerable, tender moments when someone's body doesn't behave or doesn't do quite the things we wish it would do. When someone's body doesn't work like the way we wish it would work. And that, that piece of our ministry, it's certainly been severely curtailed by the pandemic, but it's a really meaningful piece of our ministry that we do. But it's also what we all do, not just us, me and Becky, but what all of us do on a larger scale when we lift up, uh, if, you go to, if you ever go on a morning blend or 9 a.m. service, that we lift up a specific prayer requests. But here, we all have the chance to write on the back of our bulletin specific prayer requests that we have. And this is, when we do that, this is what we all do. We, we write the specific prayer requests down, leave them in the basket on the way out, and that's when our prayer team takes them and lifts them up. And when we do that, we're inviting the community to play a role in our prayers. And when we do that, it's not just between us and God anymore. King Avenue becomes a partner in that conversation through the representatives of Becky and I and our prayer team. So in prayer, the human and the divine and the community are all brought together to create this powerful synergy they're brought together in conversation, and in that conversation is power. And in that power, James is clear that he believes that something will happen when we pray. Now, that sounds, maybe that sounds meaningful. I don't know. Something will happen when we pray. Very vague, but also it's easy to kind of poke holes in that because it's easy to find a problem with that because, I mean, how many of us have had a prayer that went unanswered, right? If we keep our minds thinking God answers prayer, that what God, that's what God does. I mean, how many of us have experienced God seemingly not answering a prayer? I'm sure many of us have. I know I have. And I think of it especially with healing, because that's what so many of our prayers are for, healing of body, of mind, of spirit, of something healing. James talks about prayer and healing, but how, when I read this through the lens of the, of the normal interpretations that I've heard, it troubles me a little bit. The prayer of the faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. That passage, kind of taken on its surface level, with the normal interpretations that we've heard, that's led, that passage and, and other similar passages have led to some problematic understandings of this that maybe you have heard. The understanding that maybe you're sick because you have sinned, as if sickness is a punishment for something. The whole book of Job is about that. Or if you pray for someone to heal and it doesn't, and the healing doesn't happen, maybe you didn't pray with enough faith, as if there's a threshold, and if you don't meet that threshold, God's not going to answer that prayer. Maybe you've heard that. But we, we all have people in our lives who have died, even though we may, we may have prayed with all of our faith for them to be healed. I know my grandpa died when I was in fifth or sixth grade, and, and even though I prayed for him to get better with all of the, with the kind of faith and passion that only a fifth or sixth grade boy can have, and he still died. It's, I, it is certainly not because I didn't pray with enough faith. But even with that, how this text talks about prayer, if we dig in, 
and get past kind of these preconceived notions we bring to the text, it's really helped me understand prayer in a new way. In prayer, the human, the divine, and the community are all brought together to create this powerful synergy. Another way to think about that, prayer is a conversation. We've heard about that. We've heard that. Prayer is a conversation. Three parties come together for a conversation here. And we talked about that at Sermon Starters this week, prayer as conversation. And we brought up this thing called unanswered prayer that we've all experienced and how God might answer prayer. But this conversation idea helped us kind of reframe the whole thing. Maybe answer or not answer, maybe that's not even the healthiest way to think about God's part in the conversation. Maybe it's not actually about God answering. Because normal, healthy human conversation, at least for me, normal, healthy human conversation is not one person requesting or asking and the other person only answering. Request, answer. Question, answer. Request, answer. That's normal, healthy human conversation in my life does not look like that. But when we think of God as only answering, that's the model we have of prayer. We ask, God answers, that's it. But conversation is two-way or here three-way. There are questions, sometimes there are answers, but mostly responding. Statements and responses and questions and wonderings and imagining together and creating something together with all of the participants contributing together. And calling it conversation, that does nothing to reduce the power of prayer. Conversations can be significant. We can all think of maybe a conversation that perhaps changed the course of our life, maybe, maybe less significant, but really significant conversations in our lives. There's nothing small about that. They can lead to big things. Lauren and I had our first date at the cheap Chinese restaurant across the street from Ohio Northern University's campus when we were juniors there, right? Yeah, when we were juniors there. And pretty basic first date stuff, right? It started out with, it, we went there because that's where I could afford as a jobless college student. And I uh, started out with just kind of the basic first date awkward conversation kind of stuff. But then it kind of, before we knew it, we'd been sitting there for two or three hours just kind of stuck in conversation with each other where the, all this time passed and we didn't really realize because it was just this conversation. And then we looked up as we kind of started to notice the wait staff coming by every five or ten minutes just to check, are you... Are you leaving anytime soon? You've been sitting here for so long. <laughs> and then the rest is history after that conversation. Conversations between world leaders have averted international disasters. Our whole Methodist tradition could be said to have started with John and Charles Wesley having regular conversations with their friends at Oxford. In prayer, the divine, the human, and the community are all brought together to create a powerful synergy, brought together in conversation. And in that conversation, wonderful and powerful things can happen. So James gives us a pretty simple calling in, in the text before us today. Pray. That's nothing groundbreaking. We've been told to do that before by our parents, by preachers, by our partners. And there's no one way to do it. Our prayer lives all look different. 
Maybe you feel good about your prayer life. Maybe you wish you would pray more. So do I. Uh, maybe you want to pray more, but you don't know how. And maybe you saw the sermon title in the bulletin and you just kind of buckled yourself in for the preacher to make, yourself, make you feel bad about how little you pray. That's not what I'm doing, but I've sat through those sermons too. So I wonder if we can reframe our prayer practice, whatever it looks like or doesn't look like. And maybe we can reframe it like how we've been talking. Prayer is a meeting, an encounter between you, the divine, and the community. And in that encounter, in that conversation, wonderful things can happen. And to help us in that, I want to I lead us in a specific prayer practice today, uh, together, here when we are here, joining us online. This is from, a, I'm going to lead us in this practice from a book called Soul Feast, written by Marjorie J. Thompson. I read it in a class for seminary. It has a bunch of prayer practices in it. And it's a practice called Imaging Intercession. So I want to lead us through this practice here, where we are here sitting in the pews or wherever you're watching online. So in this practice, um, I invite us to first relax. Breathe gently. Again, relax your shoulders. Let the tension out. If you can, put both feet on the ground. I hear all the shifting. All right. <laughs> uh, let's be aware of our posture so that you are relaxed but alert. And if it feels safe for you, if it feels safe, you can close your eyes or just soften your gaze and become aware of God's presence, imagining it as light and warmth, and allow it to fill your consciousness. When we are in God's presence, we are not alone. We are there with all of God's children held in the divine embrace. So let's each choose one of those children who has a need for healing of body, of mind, of spirit. Let's choose one of those children. Maybe it's ourselves or someone else, but one of those children who has need of healing. And now lift this person into God's light and visualize God's love bathing the person, gently penetrating defenses, dissolving pain, cleansing wounds. Use any images that seem appropriate, dark becoming light, ice melting, confusion ordered. see this person, whether it's someone we know or ourselves, see this person in a state of wholeness in God's light, newly created, fresh and beautiful as seen through the eyes of divine love. 
and ask God that this beauty be fully realized according to God's design for this person. And thank God for whatever gift of healing is given and release the person into God's care until you pray again. May it be so. Amen.